Brilliant. So that story, that video there was a, a story of reconciliation. And that's what we're going to look at today, the ministry of reconciliation. That story there was a, a perfect picture of forgiveness, uh, a picture of reconciliation. Um, and we're going to dive into the passage. If you've got a Bible, please do open it up or turn it on if it's on your phone. Uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 21. And I'm going to read the passage first before we dive in uh, to the text. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 21. And I'm reading from the NIV. Brilliant. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore, all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. So I'm going to look at this passage then, the ministry of reconciliation. Um, And what I want to do today, I want to do a bit of a MOT bit of a, a, a mission MOT. Don't know if you're due your MOT. It's a reminder if you are. Uh, I had my MOT yesterday for my wife's car. Uh, and I found out as we went, I thought it was going to pass. thought it was doing well. My wife's a very good driver, sensible driver. And it came out. She had a bulge in her tire. We had to get a whole new brand, brand new tire. If I didn't know about that bulge, there would have been a problem. So we're going to look at the MOT today. Um, and we're going to look at three things. And there's some things that, you know, your car may be running fine, functioning well. And there may be some other things where you may just need a bit of a refresh um, as we look at the ministry of reconciliation. So we're going to look at three things then. We're going to look at our motivation. We're going to look at our mindset. And we're going to look at our mission. Now, whether we're involved locally uh, with, our, with mission or we're involved globally with mission, we all have a part to play in the ministry of reconciliation. And if, if I had an aim for this MOT would be this. That we see that we get to live for God. It's not that we have to. It's that we get to live for him. And we get to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. I love this passage. It's the gospel explained. And then it's the gospel proclaimed. So we get it to be understand it, explained. And then we get to proclaim it. So the first thing we're going to look at then. The ministry of reconciliation. Our motivation. If I asked a question. What is your motivation when you get out of bed in the morning. I wonder what answers and response we get. I'm interested. This part of the country, is it different to where I live in Kent? Is it different from where I'm from in Newcastle? What's your motivation when you get out of bed? I've found that as I've been speaking to different people, a lot of people after COVID have been struggling quite a bit with different bits of motivation. Now I wonder, what is the motivation 
that really truly lasts when it comes to the ministry of reconciliation and life you know a lot of people are motivated by money or recognition uh, or power or influence or fame and uh, maybe there's wrong motives but what was paul's motivation what what motivated paul to go on the three missionary journeys what motivated him to go to rome what motivated him to be shipwrecked what motivated him to go through those hardships what was his motivation well have a look in the passage verse 14 have a look down with me says this for Christ's love compels us that was paul's motivation it was christ's love that compelled him to go that word compelled in other bits of the new testament is uh, is used to describe demon possession so this idea that something completely takes over you you're irresistibly forced to do something if you're compelled and the motivation for paul was that he was compelled by love and i love what we looked at today you know the cross what compelled christ to go to the cross well it was love that went to the cross in romans 5 verse 8 very famous passage says this but god demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners christ died for all that love is the thing that we go compelled to that cross-shaped love to be compelled to go to make that our motivation to be engaged in that work to be compelled to be irresistibly forced and I, i've been through different points in life in motivation where it's been high and low and it's come and go but i think that motivation to be compelled by love is the thing that will sustain you through your life i've got a friend in germany who's a phd student and he's come up with this adult learning triangle and i really quite like it because it involves motivation involves content and it involves interaction and now if you look um in churches often we have a lot of content uh, and a lot of times there's a lot of con- content, but the interaction is so important where we, we meet and we talk about it and we, we understand what it means for us in our life. Meet in midweek and you meet with other Christians. You have the interaction, but motivation is also so important. Those three things. And my friend in Germany, Nico, says you have motivation, be compelled by love. You have content and you have interaction. Then that will be change and transformation will happen in that way. And I, I like it. I'm going around telling people about it. It's now here, Sudbury. And I'm going around different places and sharing this triangle. Uh, you should have copyrighted it. I think it's quite good. But the whole point is, uh, is your motivation. What is your motivation? And for Paul, it was to be compelled by love. Point number two, then. What is our mindset? Have a look in the pattern with me again. Verse 14. There's a few things we're going to look at. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died what are you truly convinced of in life when i look at the the video we shared at the beginning um we have those 18 countries um, and we see missionaries go all these different places around the world give up their normal lives to go and what is it that drives them what is their mindset is that they're truly convinced that christ died for all to be truly convinced if you're truly convinced you're willing to do things which are unthinkable. If you're compelled by love and you're convinced that Christ died for all, then there's incredible things that can happen. I want to show you a picture of some of our staff on here. You'll be able to see Kyle there. You can see myself there at the front. These are West Africa staff um, that we're going to be with, a lot of them um, from tomorrow doing a week's training. Uh, but a lot of these guys, I can truly say that their mindset is that they are convinced that Christ died for all. Truly convinced that he died for all. 
There's people in here that are negotiating with terrorists. There's people in here who are um, going in different rural parts, different places across West Africa in really difficult, tough, hostile environments. But they're truly convinced that Christ died for all and are therefore going into all different places to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're compelled by love and if you're convinced that Christ died for all, that mindset will sustain you and do incredible things to overcome some of those things. That, that video we saw with John Lufani, even with his wife getting stoned, nearly losing her sight. Um, he's now advising the village chiefs and now members of the community are coming to him for advice because he was convinced that Christ died for all. He lived in a really difficult area um, where people said, don't go. Do not live in that area because this is what's going to happen. Now you see the ministry of reconciliation. You see he's compelled by love. You see he's convinced that Christ died for all. And you see God doing incredible things. When I was at Bible college, there was a big debate around the Arminians and Calvins about did Christ really die for all? Arminians saying he died for everyone, whether you put faith in him or not. Well, wherever you sit on that, I believe that every person, how will they hear unless someone preaches to them? If we are involved in the ministry of reconciliation, and we're convinced, and we are the ones that go compelled by love, and we are the ones that will go and tell and explain the gospel. I wonder if you can think back to the days where you were um, first saved as a Christian. Um, I don't know if you ever remember. I, I know you're truly convinced at that point, right? I remember when I was there, I was convinced, like, very simply, I was convinced I wanted to tell everyone. And I think often when you get older in life, sometimes you can lose that, the convincedness. You can lose that sometimes. Um, I love that when a new person is truly convinced and comes to, comes to Christ. Next bit in our mindset then. If you look down verse 15, we're going to continue. Let's see what other keys are in this passage. Verse 15 says this, And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died and was raised again. We're going to come back to that. Verse 16, our mindset. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. So two things then, our mindset in this bit. Um, first bit is to not regard Christ from a worldly point of view, our mindset. So you see in there, no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. No, as we once regarded Christ in this way. So not to regard Christ from a worldly point of view, not to just see he's a nice man, a good teacher, but to see he is the true eternal son of God. The, and that changes everything. So not have our mindset to be wrong about that, but also to not regard anyone from a worldly point of view. So the people that we work with, uh, people that we play sport with, people that you go to the gym with, people that you're around with, don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Don't have to have that mindset. I started a church football team when I lived in Nottingham, and there was a guy, their doctor, he used to slam people in the walls. And people used to call him Dr. Death. <laughs> and everyone was pretty scared of it. He didn't want to play football, a little bit like your Monday night football. What happened was, over time, we had a special needs guy who became the assistant coach of the team. This guy came and started uh, tying the shoes of the special needs guy. He started um, looking after him, and he's seen the culture of the team, and we've seen what happened. People in the church were saying, why have you got the biggest atheist who goes around the wards in, in the hospital in your church football team? And I said, look, we're trying not to regard them from a worldly point of view. We're trying to build a relationship. We're trying to, to do that. And what happened was we found out the reason why parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. It made sense why he was the way he was. But that was a challenge, not to regard him from a worldly point of view. And that was the mindset there that we had. And that's a challenge still today uh, for us all, to have that mindset, not to regard anyone from a worldly point of view. 
I don't know if anyone's a Mac user uh, in here or Windows user, but I used to be Windows. That was my old system. Then I became a Mac user. I became a new, <laughs> new yeah, some people who say, yeah, okay. But it was a new software. People are some are shaking, some are nodding. Okay, now I'm Apple, team Apple all the way. But it was the old had to go and the new came. I can't use it the same way. Now I'm on the Mac, it's a new way of living. And that's the same for us as a new creation of Christ. We don't live by the old, live by the flesh, but we live in a new way, a new system. <laughs> maybe not Mac, maybe the other way. But you see the illustration, yeah? The old is gone and the new is coming. That's a challenge for our mindset to be a new creation in Christ. Let's recap then our MOT, motivation to be compelled by love. Our mindset to be convinced that Christ died for all. To not regard Christ or others from a worldly point of view. And to remember that we are a new creation in Christ. And then number three then, our mission. Now you've heard a little bit about what myself and Kyle are involved with um, within um, sports friends, but whether we're involved locally or globally in some sort of mission work, we're all called to be committed. And this is the question, what do people live for? What are you committed to in your life? This is really interesting because I've heard there's people who are committed to Manchester United. There's, there's a lot of people who are really committed to Ipswich and other teams. There's people who are committed to gardening. There's people who are committed, whatever it is for you, you can insert that word. You're committed to something. But the question is, and this is the thing in verse 14, are you committed to not live for yourself, but to live for God? And I think in our culture, which is so self-centered, to live for yourself, this is a real challenge to not be committed to those, to those things, but to be committed to live for God and be involved in this ministry of reconciliation, to be involved in that. What does that look like? Have a look at verse 14. Uh, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that he died for all and therefore all died. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised to life. What is that level of commitment going to be for us? Not to live for ourselves, but to live for God. Because as we celebrated today, he is the one who conquered sin. He conquered death. He smashed the grave. And for that reason, we live for that resurrected king. We live to be committed to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation. And I think that's incredible how we're all called. You, you notice in the passage how many times it says he invites us, he calls us into it to be part of the ministry of reconciliation. And I want to unpack this a little bit, just a, um, a little bit more detail to go through um, in the ministry of reconciliation. Have a look at verse 18 to 21. I just want to share the, the heart of the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Whatever we're involved in, we are involved in this. And this is the heart of the ministry of reconciliation. This is the heart um, of the sports friends trained coaches that are going around the world sharing this message. This is the heart of why John DeFi did what he did. is because that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against them. That's at the heart of reconciliation. That God does not count our sins against us. That is an incredible message that we all carry. Because of our sins, we're separated from a holy God. In fact, we're enemies. But incredibly, we're reconciled to God through Christ to be forgiven, to receive peace, and to be friends with God again. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin 
be sin for us so in this we might become the righteousness of God the illustration I always use um, is that we deserve the red card for our sin we're the ones that deserve that red that, that red card for what we've done but in his mercy incredibly Jesus came and he came in our place says this that the, uh, in verse 21 the one who had no sin the one who's perfect and blameless came and took that red card for us so that we don't have to face that punishment that we deserve he came and took that red card for us and now incredibly before that happened my shirt it was dirty maybe it's like a Norwich jersey it was it was dirty uh, it was filthy but incredibly removes that shirt that jersey and now what Christ does he comes and puts on a new jersey the righteousness of Christ it's like just as if uh, we, we, we have that righteousness that we now wear new jersey Maybe Ipswich, even better than an Ipswich jersey, better than a Newcastle jersey. We now stand with the righteousness of Christ because of what Christ has done for us. Verse 21, he who had no sin took that red card, became sin for us so that we may put on that new jersey and become the righteousness of God. It's incredible. In verse 18, have a look, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God did this reconciled us through Christ and he gives us the ministry of reconciliation what a privilege verse 20 we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us and as I look around here I see his ambassadors in schools in in hospitals in your place of work in the private in the public sector in sports friends in in administration all different places you are Christ's ambassador what a privilege, as if God was making his appeal through us, through you and us, Monday to Sunday. We're the Bible that people read, wherever that is, through our actions, for the way we live. We are his ambassadors. What an incredible significance. I looked up the term ambassador. Um, incredible statement. It says this, an ambassador represents the, a kingdom um, or a country in which they've maintained citizenship. Incredible. Uh, and they speak for the sovereign king. Wow. And acts as a representative for them. We are Christ's ambassadors. We've got that citizenship. And we speak on behalf of King Jesus in our sports teams, in our, in our place of work, wherever we are, in the sensitive way that we're called to do and we're able to do. But we speak of Christ in that way. We're his ambassadors to live in that way. And you've heard of our 12,000 coaches that are the ambassadors. But a lot of the times you don't need a qualification to do it. You know, a lot of those coaches are from churches who have the heart to go and reach their community. They haven't got a PhD, they haven't got a degree. A lot of the teams we work with, they're not academies, they're grassroots teams. And there's a coach who's, who's, who's got those things, they're, com, they're compelled by love. They're convinced that Christ died for all. And they're committed to live for him who died and was raised to life. And that is the criteria. If you have those things... The incredible, incredible stories and testimonies can be shared. I get to sp spend the whole day sharing stories of stories of coaches who've done it. You can speak to Cal and myself at the end, and you can sign up to our newsletters if you want to find out more about these stories of reconciliation that happen in day-to-day, week-by-week, month-by-month across the nations to encourage yourself and to build up your faith. And you can pray for the work. And if you're led to, you can continue to support us in different ways. But for wherever you are, to be seen as an ambassador for him i really want us to to finish on that to see that you are involved in different ways so these are the things that to be compelled to be convinced and to be committed those three things if you're making notes um those things you're involved in the ministry of reconciliation 
And I'm telling you, like the story of John Lufani, God will do incredible things through his ambassadors who do those three simple things. Four things then to finish. Um, at the end of a message, I often think, well, great, but so what? <laughs> and uh, I read this book uh, by Dwayne Elmay. He talks about four things to change. Um, maybe you might want to add something to your life, um, to add something to what we've said today. Maybe you want to add something. And maybe you want to modify an existing behavior uh, to make it more aligned with Scripture. Uh, maybe you might want to eliminate a behavior that dishonors God. Uh, or maybe you want to uh, strengthen an already healthy behavior to become even stronger. Uh, maybe there are things to reflect on Mr. Sunday uh, before you go into the week. Um, four things which you can really think about. How does this apply to me as an ambassador, wherever God's called me, locally? Or maybe he's even calling you into, um, if you've seen some of the stories and, and testimonies, maybe you want to explore a bit more. Maybe speak to Linda about SAM. I've spoke about one ministry, Sports Friends, today, but there's a lot more ways you can get involved um, in mission locally um, and globally as well through SAM or other organizations as well. Should I pray for us to finish? And then I'll hand back over. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, uh, Lord, that you reconcile this to yourself through Christ. Thank you so much that Jesus, uh, he took the red card for us so that we could become right with you. Oh Lord, we praise you. We thank you. And we're so grateful for that. And Lord, thank you that you want to involve us to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. And Lord, help us to be truly uh, compelled by love, to be convinced, Lord, that Jesus died for all. And Lord, to have that mindset, not to view people from a worldly point of view or Christ from a worldly point of view, but to know, Lord, that we're new creations in Christ, new people in you. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. And help us, Lord, to be committed to live for you. And wherever we're involved with, Lord, day to day, locally and globally, help us to be committed, Lord. Thank you above all that we, we can live for you, the one who didn't just uh, live but died and was raised to life. Oh, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Help us, Lord, to live out of that truth, to continue to be your ambassadors, to represent you uh, here in Sudbury, here in, in England and beyond as well in the nations. Lord, help us to do that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.